Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. Brought to you by three bears, a little blonde girl, and parents who simply couldn't be bothered. Episode 261. Is EAS the future of React Native? Question mark. So Mazen, are you getting excited for Chain React? I can't wait. I'm kind of counting down the days to it. Have you been before? Yeah. So my first time was the last one, actually. Uh, 2019, was it? Three years ago. Four years ago. Oh, my gosh. Four. Yeah. Thanks to the pandemic. Um, it was fun. I, I actually went to for two reasons. One, I wanted to learn a little bit more about testing. So I took the workshop with Josh Justice, who's actually doing it again. And... I wanted to speak with someone who's giving a talk about Bluetooth. So it kind of helped me out with my app at the time. So it, it was it was a success. I got to meet a lot of people, um, a lot of people from IR. And that's kind of when I met Jamin for the first time. You weren't there. I think we came to the conclusion. I was, I was there for half. I think I came for one day okay. and not the other day because my my daughter was still really, really little at the time. Yeah. So that's when I fell in love with IR and it was, it was such a good, it kind of opened up my eyes to the big React Native community out there. So if you're really thinking about it, you should have already bought your tickets and you'll <laughs> by the time this comes out. Come on, clock's ticking. It'll be fun. Actually, this week, this past weekend, uh, Gant, one of our owners uh, and Justin, our lead designer who who lives in the area, scoped out a bunch of restaurants and locations and i'm really this is going to be an epic conference yeah this year our we have a new hotel which looks really fun there's like arcade games in the hotel it's going to be yeah. awesome so uh if you don't already have tickets definitely get tickets chainreactconf.com i'm just like starting our sponsorship our <laughs> uh our sponsor section just a little bit early uh, that's fine. Come to Chain React. You can meet us. We'll be there. You can uh, hear a bunch of React Native talks. So yeah, I'm I am so excited. Counting down the days for sure. Let's go ahead and get started for for the day. If you've probably noticed that Jamin's not here, uh, he is in in a cabin in the woods at the moment. I'm not going <laughs> to say which cabin in which woods, so you can't go stalk him. But he's uh he's yeah he's in the at a cabin in the woods with the other. Other owners having some uh, strategic meetings, so he's not here this week. So you have me and Mazen for the day. I'm Robin. I'm a senior software engineer here at Infinite Red. I'm located in Portland, Oregon with my husband and my two kids, and I've specialized in React Native for almost six years now. Wow. I'm going to hit my, I just hit my six-year anniversary with Infinite Red. So. Oh, yeah. The other day. Nice. Uh, and then, of course, my visionary co-host, Mazen is with me as always. Very fitting with my eye allergies this morning. <laughs> yeah, he's been see. rubbing his eyes and just like, yeah. we tried to take a, a screenshot for the episode and he couldn't keep his eyes open. Uh, but he's a visionary for sure. Mazen lives in Durham, North Carolina with his wife and his little boy. And he's a former pro soccer player and coach. And he's also a senior React Native engineer here at Infinite Red. Um, as I've already mentioned, this episode is sponsored by Chain React 2023. 
It's the best React Native focus conference in the U.S., and it's back. Happening May 17th through the 19th at the Armory in Portland, Oregon. Come and meet your favorite React Native radio hosts. Head to chainreactconf.com for tickets and information. We'd love to see you there. All right, let's get into our topic for the day. What's the deal with EAS? What's going on with it? What's going on with that? Uh, have you used EAS, Marvin? Yeah, I have. With actually very closely with Frank. Well, actually, funny enough, this episode is basically all Chain React, right? <laughs> We've been building the app for Chain React, Frank and I, recently. I think we just handed it off since we both moved on to a project. But it's heavy EAS. Some of the stuff we're going to go into, the whole EAS build pipeline and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't know already, EAS stands for Expo Application Services. It's it's kind of the next generation of Expo. What's great about EAS is that it, it brings back in sort of the, the customization of the native side. So if you previously had avoided Expo altogether because you needed the ability to do things with native modules, EAS sort of allows you to use Expo while still maintaining that level of customization and control. We keep saying the the reasons to stay away from Expo, I guess there are none anymore. There's kinda, none anymore. <laughs> yeah, because this is a big one. Before it was like, oh, I couldn't do anything to native, and we'll get into it soon, but you can do a lot with native now. And, you know, there weren't a lot of packages at the time. There are now a lot of packages. Mm-hmm. We're lucky enough that Frank has kind of spent a lot of time digging into this, and he's actually given the company some internal workshops on this. Frank is coming up a lot in this episode, too. If you don't know, Frank is one of our engineers here at Infinite Red. He is, he is what I would consider an expo advocate. Yeah, it's a good way. He is very knowledgeable about expo and um, how it works and how to use it, uh, and he's been helping us all out a lot in adopting EAS and um, using it in our projects. I think everything I'm going to say in this episode is basically stuff I've discussed with him or run by him at some point. So hi, Frank. Thanks (laughs) for (laughs) everything you do. So just for some some background, if you don't know already or if if you never used Expo, the, the, the deal with Expo Go is that Expo... Go is an app that provides the native layer and is basically set by Expo. So like if you have a particular version of the SDK, then Expo Go is like it is what it is. And you can add various Expo modules for things like common things that you might do, like using the camera or using like file sharing or, or whatever sort of native functionality. Expo provides packages for those but you aren't able to, to add anything that's not explicitly supported by Expo. And you can't modify anything in the native app yourself. You can only modify the, the JavaScript bundle. They did all that for you and kind of like hid it from you and just let you focus on JavaScript. Which in some cases is a, is a good thing. It sort of mm-hmm. like narrows your focus to just, just the JavaScript side. Uh, it makes things really simple. It's it's a great like all in one experience, but as soon as you need to sort of go beyond that, then it gets problematic, and that was kind of a lot of people's hang up with Expo and the reason they didn't use it. Yeah, I think a lot of people that I remember hearing, or even myself, would say, "All right, I'm going to start with Expo, Expo Go, and 
the moment I hit a hiccup where I need to use, I think like I'm going to go way back here, but like I wanted to use React Native Maps, for example. This is actually a true example. They didn't have the integration for it at the time. So I got all the way to there just to make things very simple and then did Expo Eject and then brought in React Native Maps and continued building my app from there. But at that point, like once you ejected, you were basically in a plain vanilla yeah. React Native project exactly. that you no longer had any of the benefit of Expo's mm -hmm. infrastructure, deploy pipeline, anything like that. Then I had to like go through the whole stack overflow searches for the crazy errors I was getting and stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it got a little more complicated moving away from Expo. But but yes, I, I used, a lot of people used Expo to get you as close as you can. And then eventually you'd have to eject, it seemed like most of the time, because you had touch native code. But now mm -hmm. you don't. Not anymore. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So EAS, I, it, it does so much. It's hard to like describe it in, in a single sentence, but it, it gives you services for building, deploying, submitting your React Native apps, all con sort of controlled and facilitated by Expo. And in a CLI. And a, C and a CLI. So I think the best way to kind of illustrate what this all does is to walk through start to finish what we do to build. Well, we'll talk about the Chain React app since that's what we've been working on recently, but sort of start to finish daily development experience all the way through submitting to the store. So start out with building. Uh, in a vanilla, or a vanilla React Native app, you would run React Native run iOS React Native run Android, and you'd have a build in a simulator, an emulator, you'd do your development, etc. With EAS, you would run EAS build, and it would either build in the cloud, and then you would install on your device via QR code, and then run your, what they call a dev client, you would run the dev client uh, locally, and then the build on your phone would communicate with your dev client on your computer. This still kind of blows my mind how this works, yeah. but it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can install your development build on your physical device and then scan a QR code to point it to the right dev client and then do your development that way. And it like your, your changes update live in real time. Which is crazy. It's, it's really, it, it blew my mind for a long time. And I was like, I didn't quite understand how it was even working. I was like, wait, what? I don't, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not, I don't need to be plugged in. Like, how is this even working? There's some, there's some expo magic happening, but it's, it's really convenient. It makes it really easy to, um, it makes testing really easy. So it, on, on one client team recently, we, their QA engineer would just have a development build rather than a release build. And so she would just run the dev client and then use a QR code to install yeah. the build on her phone and would test that way. Um, and it, it, it made it a lot easier to get her new, new builds because she didn't have to rebuild if there was only JavaScript changes. It would just like exactly. update automatically. And that, that's another part of it. Like, so you, you just mentioned the cloud, the local way, which is a lot of what we did with the chain react app, once you do the build locally, it'll eventually give you a dot app, which you just drag onto your simulator mm -hmm. and that's it. Cool thing about it, which blew my mind 
with everything still running and all that, you could literally go in and do npm install a package. Now, a package that doesn't have native code specifically, and it would hot reload once it's installed, and your package is available for you to keep building, developing. Mm -hmm. So you only have to re rebuild that mm -hmm. local binary if you have native changes or a package that has native components. Exactly. Yep. And like, even that's not a big deal. You rebuild it, you drag it back on your simulator. Yep. It's easy. So you can do, you can do the builds locally. You can do them in the cloud. I will say though, the, the cloud, like, obviously we don't, we don't have to get into it, but the cloud has its limitations because other than you need to, first of all, create an account, but other than that, you still need to, if you're not paying for a specific tier or using a, an M1 flag, which I don't think is available to the public yet, it's still in beta. It's pretty slow and you have to enter a queue and sometimes it could take a long time before your build is available. So there's a caveat there. But also one thing I heard, I learned the hard way is if you're using an Intel to do all this, it takes forever, forever. <laughs> it was close to like 20 minutes Intel's... for a build, something, a small build. Yeah. M1, it was just If you have an M1, that's ideal. At best, yeah. I forgot what it's like to have an Intel. I'm so used to my M1 at this point. Right. We're spoiled now. <laughs> yeah. And the cool part, and also this this whole thing is cool, but the, the other cool part is all this is controlled by a EAS.json file. So you mm -hmm. do all these build command um, checks in there. So, you know, you could say you want it, the distribution to be internal versus production, you want to run only on a simulator versus not. And depending on which command you run, it'll give you that. Um, and, you know, we talked about it briefly, but if you want to touch native code, you also just do it like right there in a config file, all in JavaScript. So you create your own plugin. Let's say you have a package. So we actually had this perfect example. React Native uh, Firebase had not merged their EAS code yet. So Frank went in and created a plugin that basically did the, the linking essentially and did info plist, you know, what, what you would essentially do manually, info plist, Android manifest, um, anything that you need to touch on the native side, you would basically just write it in like an object form and then use Expo's functions to write it. So, you know, something like you do config.ios.info plist. And that's how you manipulate the P, the, the plist for, for mm -hmm. iOS. And you just kind of keep They call them plugins. Plugins, exactly. Custom plugins. Yeah. So you do all that and then you can basically create your own native module. So now with React Native 71 and this, you're basically, you could do anything you want on the native side very easily in JavaScript and you don't have to, you know, dig into the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the native code anymore. Anything, anything you want to change or alter about your native code, you can do with plugins. And then there's a system called pre-build, uh, which Expo describes as the process before a native app is compiled. It has to d generate the native source code. And so Expo or EAS now will handle that all for you so that you can say, here, customize my native code this way, this way, this way, this way with your plugins. Prebuild then generates your native code on the fly. 
And you don't even have to to commit your iOS and Android directories to your project. Because pre-build, EAS pre-build, will generate your native code automatically every time or whenever you need to change something in the native code. No longer having to like look at that pod file similar to the yarn lock and be like, wait, hold on. Is this right or not? You you don't have to do that anymore. Right. You don't have to do any of it yourself. You you tell EAS to, to do it in a way that EAS understands. And then EAS takes care of the rest. And, and so you can customize whatever you need to customize. You have the control that you need without having to like literally go in and change your Objective-C, your, your Java, your Kotlin, whatever. Um, I, I think it's amazing. Um, it, so amazing that just the other day, I was going through the, the Chain React app and trying to update to React Native 71, which just came out. And so we're using Expo, and obviously the Expo SDK hasn't, like the, the new SDK, which would support React Native 71, um, hasn't officially come out yet. But they, uh, the Expo team released a version that will let you, will let you upgrade. So I was going through this process, and I went straight to the React Native upgrade helper, like I always have for every React Native upgrade I've ever done in the past. I'm going through, I'm, I'm asking, so I, I asked Frank, I was like, how, if we're not, so we don't have the iOS and Android directories committed to the project. How am I, like, how, where, where am I supposed to make these changes? Because like the, the upgrade helper usually has like a bunch of like fiddly little native changes that you have to make. I'm like, where do I, like, how do I do this? And he's like, you don't have to. <laughs> Expo. It's it's in the SDK. It's like they they they've done all that. They do that for you. And I'm like, wait, what? So I yeah. just like don't even have to worry about. It. I just like upgrade. I changed the React Native version. I changed the S- Expo. I like in my package JSON. I changed the Expo SDK version. I changed the React Native version. That's it. I like I changed some of the versions of like the types and Jest and a couple other things. I ran Yarn, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the upgrade. I'm like. That's well, so easy. this is so easy. <laughs> uh, so I really, uh, I really think this is going to be the future for a lot of React Native developers. Mm-hmm. Um, it really one, feels game changing. Well, I mean, one other thing, like everything that we've done is all like so far that we've talked about is all terminal, like CLI commands. Mm-hmm. So the build and the pre-build, you know, if we're going to continue on, like as you're done building, it's that you're getting ready to, to put your app on the store or you want to now do like some sort of, you don't need test flight anymore to test, which is, which is mm-hmm. amazing. You know, we talk, Robin talked about the right. QR codes for the distribution. You know, one thing you still do need is, you know, your, your devices, your UUIDs, your certificates. But what's yeah. great about it is you do all That's that. That's all CLI too. It's all CLI. Yeah. You just, there's a command you run. I know. Um, I'm going to pull up the command. I don't remember the command off the top of my head, but there's a command you run and then from that EAS device create device create there you go yeah and you add that device to your um, certificate and then that stays uploaded on the cloud for you now some of you that are like well hold on I don't want EAS to or Expo to manage all this blah 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 you can roll your own server so that's that's a different topic but you can roll Mm. your own server if you're worried about that piece Expo the only thing they do is they just kind of the only thing that goes to Expo it really is communicating the authentication part. 
but mm-hmm. you know, also storing them, it does it does store them on your profile specifically. So I mean, this is all stuff that like we were doing before, like but before EAS, we would use Fastlane mm-hmm. and Fastlane Match, and so there was a whole process for setting up Fastlane Match with with a Git rep- like a Git repository or an AWS bucket or something to manage your certificates, and you would have to. Um, manually register your devices in the developer portal, the Apple developer portal. You would have to like get your like add them directly and then run match to generate the certificates. And half the time it wouldn't work. Well, you download be, it and then the, add yeah, you it. would like have to download it. Add it to your key certs and then right. you put up X, Xcode and build again. Mm-hmm. And, and it would like. Diff. If like, oh, someone else on your team now needs the certs, like you have to add them and then sometimes it doesn't work or sometimes and then you have to like nuke the certificates if they're expired and you end up screwing yeah. stuff up in, for your other app. It was a whole thing. And then you have to get your Fastlane config exactly right. And then Fastlane takes a million years to run. And then sometimes it'll error out halfway through because you didn't get your version number exactly right or something. <laughs> It was a process. Yeah. And I have been blown away how easy it is with EAS now. It's like I I use the CLI, I add my device, it like it just prompts you for what it needs. And then you run a build and it it asks you, oh hey, do you want to build for these devices or include all these devices in your provisioning profile? And you're like, yes, I want all those devices. Boom. It does its thing, it uploads a build, it tells you when it's done. And then there's a QR code. And if your device was in the list of devices that it provisioned, scan the QR code and install the build. And you, it's that easy. There's no test flight. There's no Google Play Store, alpha, beta, whatever builds. It's, it's all in one and it's really easy. And it's, yeah, it's blows, it blows my mind every day that I use it. So I think one thing to talk about before you, we move on to the next um, one, which I think is if you're getting now that you're getting ready to submit to the store, mm-hmm. um, when you're doing your EAS.json file, there's something Expo calls these build profiles. So mm-hmm. other than the profiles that you have with your Apple store and that stuff, there's build profiles. Think of these as like, how do I say this? Like in the past, we would call these like development, UAT or testing, production, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Expo gives you the bare minimum when you, you know, you're using EAS is development, which stands for development preview, which is more of like a, we talked about internal distribution. So like think about like mm-hmm. sending it to QA and then production, which is you know, to the store. You can change these profiles or even add profiles that you want for specific needs, business mm-hmm. needs and name them whatever you want. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's say one, we said preview was like the QA. You could specifically say, Instead of preview, you could say QA is your profile. And that's like tailored for QA. It's internal distribution and all that. You might want to do like another one, which is, you know, pre-store. You know, something I think about where it's an external build. So it's not an internal build. So you're basically kind of bridging the gap between an internal build versus an external build, getting closer to what it would look like to the store. They give you all the options you need. So you can kind of customize it and play with it like you want. Like the ones that we, for example, the ones that we have for the Chain React app, we have development, which goes to a simulator. 
We have development, which goes to a device. We have preview, which goes to a simulator, which means you can, and what that would be used for is if you want to run the device in release mode, so not in debug mode, but you want to do it on your simulator for testing whatever you would need to test. Uh, So we have preview and then preview device, which is what we use for internal distribution. So if we have testers who want to install it and test it, that means it's in release mode and it runs on a device. Uh, And then we have production, which we haven't used yet because we haven't submitted it to the store, but production would be what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you can see there's a lot you can use it for and you customize it as you want and whatever meets your business needs. Um, the next one, which again, I think we've said this enough, but we'll keep saying it blows our minds, but it's EAS's submit. Yes. You're basically submitting to the store. You can submit to the app store via a CLI command. EAS submit. And then you do dash P and then you pick, you know, iOS or Android. I think you have to do both of them separately. And that'll basically do a build and push that to the store. Obviously, you've done it your does not. It Apple does not actually like click submit. No, yeah. it doesn't submit it for review yeah. as far as I know. But no. it does. It does a, a build with the proper configurations and uploads it to your store account. You still um, need to log in and do your screenshot. You need to log in and do your metadata, your description, everything like that. But it, mm-hmm. there is a beta package called EAS metadata, which would take care of all that metadata screenshots for you. I don't know if it does screenshots. I wasn't able to find screenshots in the code, but but everything else. But it would let you configure your description, your contact info, your all this the the information that you have to fill out for your store listing. It would let you define and configure that through EAS so that you would not even have to manage that. Even though it's in beta, it also gives you the ability for all those of you that have apps in multiple stores and multiple languages. It even lets you customize all that metadata. So it's basically everything short of screenshots, which I actually want to... Which I wouldn't be surprised if they start offering screenshots before long. (laughs) Probably coming soon. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Unless it's there and we just didn't see it. So... Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it in the documentation. So we'll say it's not there for now, but it might be there. So we've now submitted to the store. You, know, you go in manually and then you submit it. Now, the next big one is update. You want to go mm-hmm. in and do right. updates. Yeah. After your app's released, you have a bug, you need to update it. Uh, EAS offers over-the-air updates, similar to code pu- code push. if you've ever used code push, Over-the-air updates basically configure your app so your so the the javascript bundle points to a url which can be updated remotely so you can through eas you can choose they call them channels and so you would make updates locally and then push those updates to a specific channel and then all the apps out in the world that are listening to that channel will get that update so um, I haven't, we haven't used this in the wild quite yet, but we're setting it up for the Chain React app. So mm-hmm. uh, if there's anything that we need to update during the conference, we can push updates live and not have to wait for App Store review. I think they also even give you the code. You just copy and paste it. 
for a GitHub action. So let's say you want to merge, like mm -hmm. on merge domain, because mm -hmm. you hopefully you've done your QA and all that. At that point, it just does the EAS update for yep. you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that that again that's another mind-blowing thing this we is have like, a, we have our setup because uh, i remember doing doing ci setup back when we were using Fastlane. yeah and the amount of headaches it took to get circle ci set up to run xcode and like do a full test mm -hmm. flight build with Fastlane and submit it was enormous i don't even think we ever got it working consistently and to be able to configure a YAML file for GitHub Actions super easily, it runs, you like you have to add a couple um, credentials so that it can access uh, EAS or access, access Expo. But the setup was so easy in comparison because like EAS is your CI now and it's already set up to do your build because that's what it does and so on so on our chain react app whenever a pull request is merged an internal distribution build is kicked off through eas and then we have a webhook which integrates with slack and so anytime there's a new internal distribution build it notifies slack our testers can install it seamless and another thing i think they added on so we talked about build profiles Within build profiles, you can add um, channels. So how Expo explains it is the channel allows you to point updates at builds. Mm -hmm. So if we set up an action, publish changes on merge, when you do that, it'll kind of publish to that specific channel. So let's say, you know, you want to say in preview, in, sorry, in production, the channel is production. Mm -hmm. So when you want to create an update for production, you can channel funny you can channel your update <laughs> to that specific channel for updates <laughs> for production updates so it's just another layer i don't think you necessarily have to do it you might you you probably have to but i think there's like a dash dash auto flag where it'll just kind of do it across the board for the updates um, and that's just so that you don't send updates to like dev builds and stuff like that. You could just send them to like preview builds or oh, that's another thing. You could do updates to just preview builds. So you could do your testing first and then updates to your production builds so that then it's, you know, done at that point. So mm -hmm. again, a lot of control via just a simple .json file. Incredible. So I know it probably sounds like we're sponsored by Expo at this point. We're not. We just really like this tooling and it's it's really changing how we do react native development and we we think that'll be true for a lot of other folks out there i think eas is kind of the the way forward however um there are we should talk about the downsides why you maybe you would choose not mm -hmm. to use eas um for one it's not free yeah expo go is expo's open source project and it's free now. It will always be free to use Expo Go for your React Native project. EAS is very much a paid service. I think it's it's absolutely worth what you pay for it. But it, that, I mean, that's the long and short of it. If you're yeah. if you're maybe a solo developer or you're a student or you're not able to look, you don't have a budget for something like that. EAS maybe not may not be a good fit for you 
Um, but that e- EAS is sort of Expo's business model. I mean, that this is their service that they charge for, whereas Expo Go is their, is their free open source uh, tier. And just, just for reference, if you go with the free plan, you only get one concurrent build at a time. So one build at a time. There, yeah, there is there and is a like free a, a free EAS tier. You just have to wait a really long time for builds. It's like forty five is... minute build. So you only build <laughs> every really forty five minutes. So imagine like you you have like ten commits and like ten pushes or whatever. Ten so four hundred. We were on the free minutes. tier for maybe a week before we were like, no. It, it, it's a it's a downside, but you know. If you get to the point where you you have revenue, it completely improves your DX and mm-hmm. your developer experience, and you're able to move faster, and it just it makes things cleaner. Um, another thing to keep in mind: there's a lot to learn. There, it's compared to vanilla React native development, it's it's very different. There's a lot of things that you'll be doing differently. I'm still learning new things about EAS. I, I I'm always pinging Frank like. <laughs> Hey, what's this? Or how do I do that? He's like my expert. Um, He's like our chat GPT before Expo. The docs are very good. They're very thorough. They're very extensive. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff um, to learn about EAS. So it's it's definitely uh, an investment mm-hmm. in your workflow. Um, don't don't try to do it halfway. Um, definitely learn about EAS and all that it's capable of so that you're maximizing what it can do. And if you need to write like a plugin too, for a native plugin, there's a high bar there too, because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's different from the usual Objective-C, Swift, Java, um, Kotlin yeah. code that you've written in the past. It, it's, it's in JavaScript still, but th- there's just some new, new terminology and new functions you have to learn to that do like the quote-unquote writing write the native code for you. So there's that. Um, another big downside that I think a lot of people might want to consider is just it's a reliance on another third-party dependency. There's mm-hmm. there's a bunch to bring in. If EA, like if EAS servers are down, so so is your development. You you are relying on an on another party. Uh, and in a similar vein, you have to wait for Expo to do things. So when when React Native versions come out, you have to wait for Expo to release new versions of their SDK in order to upgrade. They're doing better recently on like making those quicker. They're, they are pretty fast. Yeah. In uh, comparison to the past when it was, you know, it was like three, four versions behind. Now I feel like it's only one version. Not even. Mm-hmm. They are they are pretty quick. And like mm-hmm. like I was talking about earlier with this latest React Native 71, um, even before their the new major version of the SDK was out. Mm-hmm. They released a minor version of the existing version to allow people using EAS to upgrade their React Native version. So even though Expo Go wouldn't be updated until the major version release, they they did make an effort to release a minor version of the existing SDK so that EAS customers could update, which I appreciated. Um, there's also an I've always said this about Expo, and it's honestly still kind of true with EAS. There is an element of magic. Who doesn't um, like magic? <laughs> which is good in a lot of cases. <laughs> when things are going wrong, it can kind of handcuff you a little bit and make it harder to troubleshoot because there's so many things happening outside of your control 
And that can be frustrating, especially for for developers who like to to be in control at all times. But there's a lot there's a lot of resources. Uh, Expo has an entire Discord. They're very responsive to issues. They're always quick to be aware of things that are going wrong that are on their end. And their docs are very, very, very good at helping you troubleshoot when things are not going right. So, yeah. Question for you, I guess, to wrap things up. You're jumping on a new project, hypothetical, uh, which might be true. But you're you're hopping on a new project in its current state. Would you recommend the client uses EAS? Absolutely. Didn't even hesitate. No hesitation. I would absolutely recommend it. Same. I'm pushing it on my... Well, take it back. Sorry if you guys heard this. I'm recommending it (laughs) to my current client. Um, Just because of the efficiency. They, They talk about a lot about DX and improving that and quicker loops and wrapping things quickly. Develop it. Quick development cycle, which is why a lot of people go to React Native. Yes. Yeah. Use EAS. Even though it's still young. It's young, but it's it, it's, older it's come a long way since it first came out and oh, yeah. it's improving quickly. So. And there's good people behind it. They're putting a lot of good, you know, a lot of time and effort into it and making it what yeah. it is. And I think if this is what it's starting off with, imagine like what's what could come next. All right. I think that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to nerd out more about React Native, uh, be sure to check out Jamin's Twitch stream, uh, rn.live or youtube.infinite.red. He doesn't go live as often as he used to, but mm-hmm. it's always fun when he does. And he he's promised to try and get me on the stream more often. So <laughs> check that out. Uh, you can also join our Slack community at community.infinite.red or our Twitter community, rntwitter.infinite.red. You can find Mazin on Twitter at Mazin Chami. You can find me at Robin underscore Hines. You can find React Native Radio at React Native RDIO. As always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd Wirth, our assistant editor and episode release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, our designer, Justin Husky, and our guest coordinator, Derek Greenberg. Thanks to our sponsor, ChainReactConf. Check us out at ChainReactConf.com. And a special thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you all next time. Before we go, Robin, do you have a mom joke? I do. This is my favorite segment. This is what I wait. This is why (laughs) I'm on the show. (laughs) Okay. This is courtesy of Brian Stearns. Brian, if you're listening, thanks for the joke. I once stayed up all night to see where the sun goes. And then it dawned on me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, all right. We'll see you all next time.